Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I am so thankful that we can have church. How about you? I don't take any of this for granted. Uh, I know, uh, you know, there's upteen squillion podcasts and vidcasts, and we stream on live, live, and a big welcome to you if you're watching online. Uh, But there's just nothing like gathering together uh, and just greeting each other. We had a great word this morning during our prayer time from uh, Adrian. He talked about encouragement and how important it is to encourage one another. And there's, there's more, Adrian said anyway, that there's probably more on encouragement than there is about uh, like most other things. And, and the Bible is just full of encouragement to get, get your courage back, to, to, to get out of discouragement, which is distant from courage, to step into encouragement. Isolation would have to be one of the worst penalties. In fact, that's why they've uh, ruled out or outlawed uh, that kind of punishment, uh, isolation in prisons and that type of thing. It's just it's solitary confinement. One of the experiences I had years ago that honestly changed my life, I, I went and visited one of the most notorious prisons in America, certainly, and probably worldwide. It's a pretty well-known prison called Alcatraz. It's a national park now, and I I did a tour of Alcatraz, and on that tour, they offered that you could actually go into one of the solitary cells, which was made of metal, just steel, and when they shut those doors, there's like two doors, and they shut those, there's absolutely no light that gets into that cell at all. And I mean, once my eyes adjusted to it, and thank God you're only in there for a few minutes, they wouldn't leave you in there any longer than that, uh, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. I've tried like crazy, even, even after my eyes adjusted, to see my hand, and there was no light at all in that cell. I could not see my hand in front of me. And it really gave me a taste of what true isolation or solitary really is. It's, it's got to be one of the cruelest forms of torture or punishment, if, if you will. And one of the things that uh, I've endeavored to do as a, as a Christian, certainly, and here as a church, is to offer people a way out of that so that nobody has to be isolated. In fact, uh, Scripture says that a person isolates themselves or rages against all wise judgment. It's not God's plan that that man should be alone. We need each other. We need to interact. I know that sometimes we don't want to because when we cross paths, uh, we cross each other. There's all kinds of things that can happen where we have to learn something called forgiveness, uh, where we have to learn how to get along with other people. It's real easy to pull out of that and just to think, well, I'll just be by myself. It's me, myself, and I. I can argue with myself. I don't need anybody else. I don't have to take a chance of uh, offense and getting offended and, and all the rest of it. Well, take a chance. It's worth it. Yeah. Risk it. Step out. Meet other people wherever you're at in, in your world. Today I want to talk about something that I believe will rock your world. I've called this morning's message Five Steps to favor. Five steps to favor. We're going to look at pacing this out, and uh, these five steps, I believe, will help you end up or, or break out into the favor of God. This is number five in our series called Outbreak, and when we 
break out uh, into favor, something amazing happens. God wants to, to bless your life. He wants to have his favor on your life. But how does that happen? Well, I'm glad that you asked. And so we're going to go over to one of my favorite uh, passages of, of Scripture. It's in Luke chapter 4. Jesus was a preacher, and Jesus got up in the church of his day in the synagogue and said something absolutely amazing. And he says this in Luke chapter 4, verses 18. We'll just uh, read that, 19. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. In other words, people that are trapped in poverty, and that could be physical poverty or poverty. Sometimes it's a mindset. It could be a mental thing. People that are mentally bankrupt, people that are emotionally bankrupt, people that are financially or physically bankrupt. He comes along and he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the spirit of the Lord has a reason for being on me. And that because that cause that he's on me is to do this. It's to proclaim good news to the poor. That's what I'm doing this morning. I feel the spirit of God on me this morning to proclaim or to preach to you good news. So if you're here and you feel trapped in a relationship, trapped in a business perhaps, a, a, a job, a dead-end job, maybe you're, you're here and you just feel like you're in a solitary confinement situation, the walls are, are closing in around you, there's no light coming into the room, there's no windows, there's no doors, well, you're here for a reason, and I'm here for a reason, and I've got good news for you as we look at uh, these five steps for you to get into freedom and favor of God. For, for he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovering of sight for the blind. When you're in solitary, you can't see anything. You don't see, you're blind. And Jesus comes along and says, Look, the Spirit of God is on me. The Spirit of God is in this room right now. The Spirit of God is on you if you're watching online. I believe the Spirit of God is here for you to see again. Recovering of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. I, I don't know if you've never or ever have been oppressed before. That You just feel the pressure of life closing in around you. It's just like everywhere you look, there's just darkness, and it's like this oppression. Well, God says, I am here for my spirit to set you free if you are oppressed. In verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I love that. We'll, uh, we'll look a little bit uh, more about what that actually means. Uh, it's actually talking about a year called Jubilee. And, and, and Jubilee, under the, uh, the Jewish calendar, was every uh, seven Sabbaths, or every seven years, uh, everything went back to its rightful owner. They, on the Sabbath, the, the seven-year Sabbath, uh, they weren't allowed to uh, farm, sow, to reap, or anything. The land took a rest. Everybody took a rest. All the busyness of life. Everybody, you know, had a big holiday, a big Sabbath every, every seventh year. Well, seven times seven, 
49, on the 50th year, that next year, that was called the year of Jubilee. And you can find that in Leviticus uh, chapter 25, I think it's around 18 and 19. You can, you can read about what that is. In fact, all, all the servants, the indentured servants, slaves, if you will, were, uh, were, were set free on that year of Jubilee. If you owe, owed anything to anybody, you had a debt, it was totally wiped out on the year of Jubilee. Isn't that good? Imagine that if you had like, you know, you owed a million dollars for something. You got yourself in debt, made a few financial mistakes, that kind of thing. And you just knew it's okay because next year is the year of Jubilee. And if you were the lender and not just the borrower, you'd be sweating it out like, like I hope they pay me. Uh, so they actually discounted the debt as it got closer to that because they knew it wasn't worth as much. And people weren't as quick to get somebody into debt. Well, one of the greatest traps of oppression that we need to be set free from is that whole debt thing. And, and, and if you're here and you're in debt financially or perhaps you, you feel like you owe somebody something because maybe they've done something uh, for you, something good, but it wasn't a gift, it's kind of like a loan, you got to pay it back, that kind of thing. Well, well, good news for you because you can be free right now today. God's got a plan, a way out for you. And uh, as we unpack these five steps to God's blessing, I know that you're going to get, uh, you're going to see your freedom. So five steps to favor. The first step, you know, is find out who you are. First step is identity gives you authority. Most people, I find uh, one of the most frustrating things is to not know who you are. You don't know your identity. You see, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know your identity, then you'll never know what to do. I struggled with this one because I've had several identities in my life. I don't know about you. Uh, you know, identities come through things that are just passed on circumstances. Uh, identities come uh, from things that are out of our control, family, uh, passes on a lot of identity to us. And it's, it's not the identity that, that God would have for you. It's not the identity that uh, perhaps your parents passed on if they were dysfunctional or, or uh, you know, you got trapped before you knew Jesus. The, the, the identity that God has for you comes from him. And when you find out who he is, he will then tell you who you are. The most important thing about identity and I'll, I'll put acceptance in there as well, uh, because there's probably nothing worse than, number one, not knowing who you are, but also not knowing that you're accepted. It's, it's, isn't it bad? Have you ever been in a situation where uh, people just didn't accept you for who you were? And sometimes they didn't because you didn't know who you were. When you know who you are, there's a confidence that comes with that. But knowing who you are comes from knowing who God is. And when you know who he is, then he shows you who you are. And when you know who you are, you have authority that rises up from that. Jesus said this in uh, Matthew chapter 16, and he's talking with Peter. They're having this dialogue, and he says, so Pete, who do men say that I am? Well, some say. And part of the problem we have with our identity is that we've listened to some say or they. Well, they tell me that I'm this or I'm that. My parents told me that I'm this or I'm that. My teachers at school told me you'll never amount to anything. 
you're pretty dumb, you know, you, you, you failed that exam. Uh, until you know who you are, and Pete's listening to some say, Jesus, that you are Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. I can't figure that one out because John was his cousin, and they're only, you know, uh, a couple years or six months, whatever it was, apart, like pretty hard. John was beheaded, but how could he then come back and be Jesus, who's been walking around for 30-something years? It's a bit strange, but I don't know why they would think that because it couldn't even be a reincarnation deal. But anyway, it's another story. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then Jesus says this to Peter. He goes, so who do you say that I am? Until you've asked that question and answered that question, who do you say that he is? Uh, some say he's the man upstairs. Uh, you know, I'm not very personal, really. Some say he's a God far off. Some say there is no God, so he is, doesn't exist. Others say, but who do you say? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus goes, wow. Didn't say wow, but he goes, <laughs> but he goes uh, you know, you are right. That's like the right answer to that question. And then he tells Peter who Peter is. Peter up till that time was known as Simon or Reed blowing around. He's wishy-washy, as we would say. One day, oh, I'm going to conquer the world. The other day, he's a coward. And, and, and God says, this is your identity, Simon Reed. I give you a new name. Now it's Peter Petros Rock. It's a, not a big rock but a little rock or pebble, but upon this rock, this revelation of who I am, now that you know who it is that's talking to you, now that you know who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. I, I don't think there's anything more important, especially uh, when, you, when you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and I hope that you have. If you haven't, you'll certainly have uh, a chance before this service is finished. It's the most important thing that you can do is to find out who he is and then let him tell you who you are. When I became a, uh, a Christian of Christ follower, I, I started reading the Bible. The Bible was given to me in a hotel room in San Diego. I was very, very lost. And I was confused. And I, I didn't know my identity. I went to college to get in the business. And I got a job as an accountant. And I thought my identity, well, my identity is Ed the business guy. Identity is Ed, the university graduate. My identity is. But when I found out who he was and he started to show me who I am, it was way more than just a business person. It was way more than just an educated fool. It was way more than what I'd ever thought or heard or anybody had ever told me before. He started to show me things out of his word that were my destiny, that, that led me then from knowing who I am, the identity then to authority. Authority is, is, is God's permission. It's divine permission for you to do what you can't do without him. But you don't have authority in you until you have identity established. You try, I was helping uh, my son trying to, he was trying to navigate to get his super because he kind of left it and uh, the ATO is kind of taking it, and so he's, he's trying to get access <laughs> to know what happened to my super. It was with the company, then it's kind of gotten, uh, gotten off, now it's with the ATO. Anyway, uh, he's like going, he's, we're online, FaceTime, face and uh, he's like 
man, like they're asking me all these questions to identify me. And he's trying to jump through the hoops and it's just frustrating. Okay, what's your membership number? What's your tax file number? Uh, what, was, what, what are the ID questions? Uh, the, what was your first pet? Where did you live? What was your address? All, all these questions. And then uh, he got a number wrong in one of the membership numbers. And then it said, uh, wrong answer. And you've got two more tries before you're locked out. Of course, he didn't get it. He got locked out. He was frustrated with the whole thing. Isn't it frustrating when you don't have authority? You don't have the authority to access anything because you don't have your identity established? Your identity establishes your authority. I remember hearing a, a, a true story during World War II, toward the end of World War II. There were several soldiers in, in the US Army, anyway, that had severe amnesia. In fact, it was so bad, they did not know who they were. They didn't know their name. They didn't know where they were from. They just knew nothing. It was a concussion kind of thing, probably from all the big bombs and things that were dropped. They didn't have the internet back then. They didn't have television. They had very few ways of actually contacting the world to say, hey, do you know these guys? So they took them on a tour of America, and they put them up in front of stadiums, wherever they had a baseball game or a big stadium event. They put these men out on a, on a platform, and they just said to the, the crowd, if anybody knows who these men are, please come forward, because they don't know who they are. And one of the men said this. He had the microphone. And he said this he, with, with tears and, and great emotion. He said, would somebody tell me who I am? And I think that's the cry of our heart. I just want to know who I am. So therefore, then I will know what to do. There are so many people, and you're probably here this, this morning. You, you might be here. You, you don't know what you're supposed to do. You don't know what authority you've got because you have not yet discovered who you are. You've been, you've been told this. You've been told what some say. You've been told what they say. You've been told what... Again, what the establishment and, and, and teachers and family and everybody else, everybody's giving you this identity, but you've got to go to God and find out what is, who does God say that you are? It'll blow your mind. God will show you things about you that will un, un, unleash an incredible destiny, that will unpack things in your life to show you what authority that he's given you. And so Jesus he tells Peter, that's good, Peter. You've given me the right answer. Now, who do you say? And Peter gets it right. But then look at this, this the second thing I want to give you. So your identity says is who God says you are. Your, your identity gives you authority. Number two, second step, authority gives you access. Now, verse 19, same conversation. Jesus says to Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, this next bit here confuses a lot of people, but we're going to clear it up this morning. It doesn't have to confuse you. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. 
Now, now keys represent authority, whether it's a key card. We have uh, parking underneath the building that we're in. It's a little white swipe card. And uh, we swipe that on a sensor. It opens up the gates. Drive the car in there. If you don't have the car, you can't get in. Again, same thing with passcodes and things that frustrate uh, us. You know, I don't remember what my ID was. I don't remember what my password was. Well, then you're locked out. Keys, le keys represent authority. The word kingdom is basilea, and it means this, the authority to rule over. It's a kingdom, the domain of the king. He has the authority to rule over his kingdom. Now, I'm going to read to you, and this won't come up, but in Matthew chapter 16, 19, out of the Passion Translation, he uses some other words here for the same Greek words for uh, binding and loosing. Listen to this, verse 19. I will give you the keys of heaven's kingdom realm to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven. In other words, it doesn't say to bind that which is bound, but to forbid on earth that which is forbidden in heaven and to release on earth that which is released in heaven. A, a, another probably more accurate uh, translation of that, that which you forbid on earth must be that which is already forbidden in heaven. And that which you permit on earth must be that which is already permitted in heaven. How, how many of you know somewhat the Lord's Prayer? Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Is it? What does part of that prayer say? Thy will be done on earth. How? As it is in heaven. So if I could take you to heaven right now. We were translated up there. You look around. I don't think you'd see any stealing going on. In fact, if ladies, if your purse could go with you to heaven, which you couldn't, can't take it with you, but you wish you could, but you can't. <laughs> Those nice shoes. Maybe your nails. I don't know what's going to go. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but if you could go to heaven right now and you could, could take your purse with you and then you're wallet or something. I don't think you, you'd go, oh, I better not leave it here because maybe the angels are going to steal it. <laughs> no. In heaven, that's forbidden. It wouldn't be heaven, would it? I don't think you'd have to worry about getting mugged. <laughs> I don't think you'd, you'd have to worry that maybe these angels are, are lying to me right now. You meet Jesus or, or, or even Peter at the pearly gates. Maybe he's got a joke to tell. I don't know, but uh, anyway, I don't think you're going to have to worry about lying, cheating, stealing, uh, all of those bad murder, all of the, you know, the Ten Commandments stuff. Why? If you could ask one of those angels, why is there not any stealing going on here? And how come nobody's gotten killed since I've been here? And, and, and why is everybody telling the truth here? Why is there so much harmony here? The angel would probably say something like this, well, my father's will is being done here. Those things are forbidden here. And what God says is whatever's forbidden or has been bound in heaven, you can't permit that to happen on the planet. 
Uh, whatever you buy here that you see that doesn't line up with there, thy will be done. In other words, on earth as it is in heaven, whatever you think it's like in heaven, and God's word tells us what that's like, then make it so here. In other words, when you see somebody that's bound with whatever it is, it could be they can't tell the truth. It could be hatred. It could be unforgiveness. It, it could be uh, anger. It could be a physical thing. It could be a mental thing. It could be any, anything at all. Ask yourself, is it, is it permitted in heaven? If it's permitted in heaven, I'll permit it. If it's not, I'm going to forbid it. I bind it here because it's bound already there. Do you get that? So the Passion Translation, I think, brings that out, binding and loosing. But, but what you're not doing, and, I, and I, I'll just a little sidetrack here, a little one. I'm not going to take a lot of time. But I see people yelling and, and binding things in heaven. Oh, I bind that in heaven. I think, no, 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 no you don't understand it. <sighs> That's not this. You don't bind things in heaven. They're already bound or they're already loosed. You bind it here. This is where you're binding or you're loosing. This is where you are giving permission, if you will, or, or, or not. You have the keys, the authority of the kingdom, the authority to rule over. You have that authority here because you've got that through your identity. When he shows you, you are a child of the king. You've got letters from the king, the word of God. You've got a word from the king. You've got authority from the king. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's anointed you to do the stuff. He's anointed you to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. He's, he's anointed you to proclaim opening of sight to the blind. He's, he's anointed you to let the debtors go free. He's proclaimed the year of Jubilee. Authority is divine permission to do what you can't do without God because you're a child of God. You've got access to heaven. You've got authority here on earth. You have authority from heaven to forbid or to release things on earth. The same thing is said again in Matthew 18. 18, you can look it up, but... Exactly the same thing. Why would we want to go then through a gate of hell? Because he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I've given you authority to bind, to loose, to forbid, or to release. I've given you these keys. And then Jesus says to Peter and to us, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I ask myself, why would I want to go <laughs> through a gate of hell? But if you think of what a gate is for, a gate is for access either in or out. And he's given you that key. So if you want to release people that are bound, you've got the key, the authority, to open that door and let the prisoner free. I think about gates, yeah, you can give the Lord a hand clap. I think about gates at an airport, and you know, you run in late, which is quite the norm for many of you. Never early, always late. <sighs> Wait, I got to check in. Poor check-in person. Not that we're worried about that at the moment, but remember years and years ago when you used to fly? Anybody can remember that? There's something called airplanes and airports. Kind of remember all of that going through the... 
the checks and all that stuff, you know, frustration. But, uh, you know, you, you hear your name over the, over the intercom. Now boarding. And then they, then they say, uh, your name. <laughs> We're searching for Mr. Edward Luther. Mr. Edward Luther, can you please report to gate 56? Mr. Edward Luther, you know you're in trouble. You know, you better hoof it. You just better ask everybody for permission to uh, violate every check and just to run. Just run as fast as you can. Because, you know, if you miss that flight, uh, perhaps you're going to miss the next one, the next one after that. And I've been in those situations before. But that gate is really, really important. And that gate is to get you to your destination. So when you unlock a gate with the authority that God gives you, it's because you've got a destination that God has for you. There's somebody waiting on the other side of, of that gate, be it uh, an airplane ride, that, that, that needs what you've got. You have to get through that gate. You need that authority to get through the gate, to rescue your family, to, uh, to rescue your job, that business perhaps that you're facing right now, to, to help the people that are in your life that are bound. You need to put the authority, uh, the key, if you will, into the gate to unlock that gate because somebody needs to be free. Somebody needs you to step through a gate of hell. God has not called us just to walk through beautiful fields of flowers where there's just no problems in our life. No, he's called you as his ambassador to go open some gates and set some people free. Not that you needed it, but they need it. And because we are his body on the earth, we need to open those gates with the authority that he's given us and set those people free. Not put up with it. I look, at these, I look at situations virtually every day, and so do you. You're either going to put up with that, ostracize, separate yourself, because they got problems. You know, I'll walk away. Or you're going to go, no, I know my identity. I know who I am. I'm not afraid. I'm going to put my authority in their gate, and I'm going to open that gate of hell up whether it's a gate of loneliness because somebody's lonely or a gate of discouragement because somebody is so downtrodden, so discouraged, whether somebody is sick or ill and they just need somebody, for goodness sakes, with some faith and some authority that knows that Christ is the healer to put their hands on them and pray that prayer of faith, whether they don't know Jesus and they're, they're locked in a gate of hell, they don't even know it. But you've got that authority, you've got that responsibility too, my friend to put the authority, open the gate, and get in and rescue some people. I like what Reinhard Bonnke said, but he said this. He said that we are here. Say it in a German accent. We are here. No, that's what it. We are here to <laughs> plunder hell to populate heaven. Don't you love that? How do you plunder hell? You got to go through a gate. Somebody's trapped. Somebody's in that cell. Somebody has no way out. Somebody don't, doesn't have a window. They don't have any light. They, they're, they're in total darkness. Don't throw stones at them. Don't walk past it and, and ridicule it. Put the authority, put the key in, unlock the gate, and get them out of there, for goodness sakes. Get them to their destination. You've got a destination. That's why the church is on the, on the planet. 
That's why God calls the church his body, the body of Christ. Go through the gates of hell, deliver people out of heaven, rescue the hurting, broken, barren, desolate people, lonely, discouraged, broken, prejudice is a gate. Get people out of that. Unbelief is a gate. Separation from God is a gate. Now here's the good news. And it's all good news. But John 14, 16, it says this, or verse 6 rather. Jesus answers and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, I am the door. Do you remember Jesus would walk through a wall after he was raised from the dead? They're in there eating, doubting Thomas, and they're all in the room. And they're, the door's shut because they're afraid of persecution. And then here he comes straight through the wall. In other words, there's a door where there wasn't a door. In your situation right now, and the reason I can proclaim favor is coming your way in these five steps is because he will make a door, he will make a way when you have no way. Many of you are facing situations, you see, I just can't see any way out. I don't know what I'm going to do about this child that I've raised or these children that I've raised. I don't see any way out of this job. I don't know what, what I'm going to do. This boss, man. Ugh. You're in blind solitary. You feel claustrophobic. You feel trapped. That feeling of oppression. He is a way where there is no way. He is your way maker. Do you understand that? He is the one that provides a way out. He's a gatekeeper. There is nobody that can walk through walls like Jesus. There's nobody that can do what he can do in your world. And he will do that in your world for you. You just have to look for him. He always comes. He's the door where there is no door. Wherever you walk, Jesus walks. Wherever Jesus walks, a door is formed. Wherever you walk, a door is formed. But you can't fight hell if you're not in fellowship with heaven. See, so many people are wrestling with the hordes of hell, so to speak, thoughts and people and all of these things. You're, you're wrestling, rah, rah. But what God's actually called you to do is not to wrestle with these things. We don't wrestle, Ephesians says, we don't fight flesh and blood. These principalities, these powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. Our job is to surrender. Oh, but we don't want to do that, do we? I'm a fighter. I'm going to fight this. Well, good luck. Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? <laughs> Got the victory yet? I don't think so. <laughs> Your job is to surrender. But I don't like to surrender. I know. I'm with you. Pat, pat. Here's a tissue. I don't either. <laughs> he leads me beside the still waters, the deep pastures. He maketh me lie down, in fact. 
I don't want to lie down. I don't want to fight. I don't want to get up and fight some more. There's a time to fight, but that's not what you're called to do here. You're called to surrender. Let him be the Lord. Let the Lord fight your battles. He'll show you when to get up if you're supposed to do whatever you're supposed to do. You take what you get from heaven and you release it on earth. But the greater work isn't your struggle with your adversary, it's your submission to God. It's not your struggle with the adversary. He's already won that on the cross. He beat the devil. Do you understand that? You don't need Rocky Five. He went down. He's out, he's out for the count. He's a defeated foe. Your work, your greater work, it's not to struggle with the devil, it's to submit to God. So many people are always fighting devils and fighting the devil and all of that. Just submit to God, for goodness sakes. Just bask in what he's already done. He's loosed in heaven what you are to loose on earth. When Jesus opens a door in heaven, he says you can bind or loose somebody with that. Just obey what I've got to say. An open gate to heaven in your heart will open closed gates to hell in our community. But you've got to have that open gate, that doorway to heaven because that's where the source of all authority and power comes from. Heaven is your home. It's a real place that God uh, has actually called you to, to dwell for in eternity. But right now, while you're on the earth, you've got access to heaven through a medium called prayer. We talked a little bit about that last week. I'm not going to sing some of those old songs, but you know, all because we did not carry everything to God in prayer. Number three, going to fly now. Access gives you ability. So the first one is your identity gives you your authority. Second, your authority gives you your access. Thirdly, access gives you ability. Now, divine ability is what we're talking about. And there is a great word for this. It's called grace. Grace is the word, amazing grace. Grace is not a passive thing. Grace is, is the ability that God gives you to do what you can't do. So when you have access in, you've got authority now, you've got identity happening. Then when you get into the, to the throne of God, he says, come boldly before uh, my throne of, of grace. Ability, divine ability in time of need. You have access to the king. And he gives you his ability, his divine ability to do what you can't do as an act of grace. When you step into that, when you have access to that. In Matthew 12, I'm going to, uh, we're going to read this. And, and I want you to just hang in there with me because I think it's going to, again, uh, crystallize or clear up some things. Matthew 12, 22. They brought him, Jesus, a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. So in other words, he's shut in. He's in, he's in solitary. He, he can hear, but he can't see. No light's coming in. And, and, and he's mute. He can't talk. What a frustrating place to be. This man needs somebody to put authority in the key in and open the prison door and let this man out, for goodness sakes. Jesus comes along, and Jesus healed him so he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But then the Pharisees, this is religion. Religion does not like the Holy Spirit, probably doesn't like this message I'm preaching right now, but religion, that kind of religion anyway, 
can go to hell. <laughs> I can say that without swearing because that's exactly where it's going. And the Pharisees heard this. It is only by Beelzebub, in other words, the devil, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. In other words, they're saying he did this by the power of the devil. He set this man free by the power of, uh, of the devil. Verse 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, or the devil, by whom do your people drive them out? Because they were performing exorcisms to make money. So then, they will be your judges. This is like cutting to the heart. Only Jesus does it this well. Verse 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. Verse 31. So I tell you, every kind of sin and slander shall be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. I want you to picture this now because he uses a, a, a great metaphor, if you will. How can you go in and bind up a strong person that's trying to plunder your house unless you're stronger? And, and you don't have the strength to overthrow and take authority in your own strength. You don't have that kind of ability. You can't do it unless you bring somebody stronger with you. Hello, Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says, the Spirit of God is upon me, for he has anointed me to do this, to bind up and to set the captives free. In your life, in the situations that you're facing right now, if you're trying to bind up or to loose in your own strength, you can't do it. You need to take with you somebody far greater than you called the Spirit of God with you to loose people, to bind up people, to release or to give freedom or to forbid things in your world right now. Whatever you're facing right now, you need the Holy Spirit. That's why he says, this is so important that, that I'm okay. You can call me names. You can call each other names. You can get forgiven for that. But if you're gonna if you're gonna blaspheme against God, the Spirit of God, the very the, the very person that's going to set freedom, that's not gonna be forgiven. I'm not taking that lightly because he cares so much for people. Do you understand, understand there's not one person on the face of the planet that Jesus is not madly in love with? And the only way for his children, his kids, God so loved the world. Not, not, you know, there were no Christians then that he gave his only son. 
He wants every single one coming home. He wants his family coming home. He knows the only way to get the prison doors open is by the power that he gives, the delegated authority that he gives you to walk in and unlock things. And if you throw away the Holy Spirit, then you've got no power. Nobody's going to get set free. His kids remain captive. The lonely remain lonely. The oppressed remain oppressed. People in prison stay in prison. People that are discouraged stay, stay discouraged. People don't get healed. All the things that he wants to happen, they happen because the stronger one goes in and binds up that strong man called sickness or discouragement or oppression or loneliness. And God wants you, powered by his spirit, to go into these worlds and set people free all over our community. And he's not messing around with that one. Well, I hear people talk disparagingly about the Holy Spirit. I think you really, I'm not judging. I'm not saying that, you know, they've committed this sin. But, man, why would you even come close to that one? Leave it alone. Identity gives authority. Authority gives you access. Access gives ability. And ability gives you freedom. True freedom is being able to express who you really are. It's not just walking around, you're not in prison. But if you don't know who you are and you can't express that, you're not free. If you're bound by discouragement, you're not free even though you can walk around. If you're lonely, you're not free even though you might be able to walk around. If you're discouraged or oppressed, you're not free. But ability gives you that freedom. Grace gives you that feeling that you cannot just move around, around freely, but you can Go, go about and do the things of God. I'm, I'm about out of time here, but Luke, 12, uh, Luke 13, rather, uh, and, and 11 to 16, there's this woman anyway. She's crippled for 18 years. Jesus sees her, and then he says this. He says, woman, you are set free. In other words, you're loosed from your infirmity. He puts his hands on her, and then he says this in verse 16. Should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whose Satan has, same word, bound, for 18 long years be set free or loosed on the Sabbath from what has bound her. God desires that people be set free, but you, you can only be, be set free by the Spirit of God. So ability gives freedom. And then finally, I'd like the music team to come up, thanks. Finally, freedom brings favor. Freedom brings favor. When the sun has set you free, you walk out. The gatekeeper opens a door so that you're in a, a world where now you know who you are, you have your authority, you have access to the kingdom of heaven, you're in fellowship, you've surrendered to his spirit, he guides you, you've got the freedom to move around to do what God wants you to do, not your own agenda then incredible favor or blessing starts to come into your world. This whole jubilee thing, you've been forgiven of so much. It's not dragging balls and chains around anymore. You're free. But that freedom, it's not free to be selfish. It's not free to have your own agenda separate from God because He's set you free and released you. That freedom is to be blessed to be a blessing. Do you understand that? That freedom brings great responsibility. I was in the Soviet Union. I've, I've been there several times and ministered over there. And so many of them didn't know what to do when they got their freedom. 
when the wall came down and everything, you know, people, they became capitalists, all of a sudden prosperity entered in and they could have what they wanted and they car dealerships. And every time I go back there, I'd see, wow, look at the size of that Mercedes dealership or this, you know, dealerships coming, big casinos being built. And, and they were really good capitalists, but a lot of them under communism, under the Soviet Union, they, they, they were like children when they got released, especially the older ones. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to handle that freedom. And I think a lot of us need to know how to handle the freedom that God has given you because he's forgiven you of so much. I take an inventory of my life and I think, my God, thank you so much. I can't claim credit for that. It's not my smarts or my ability that gave me the freedom that I've got. It was only because whom the, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. The sun set me free. Therefore, my freedom is to exercise the authority to set other people free. That's why we're here on the planet. That's why this church exists. It's so that we can go out and set other people free and use our freedom, our liberty, not just to hoard stuff up and for feeding ourselves, but to step out and be the carriers of Christ into our community. Amen. So I want to pray for us all. I'd like, I'd like us all to stand right now. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to worship God with a song in a minute. But I want to pray. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, his spirit is here. He has come to set you free. He has come to bring light so that you being blind can see, spiritually blind that is, can see. He's come to open your ears so that you can hear him tell you who you are. It all starts with the decision to follow him. So I'm gonna ask you, if you wanna be included in this prayer, we're all gonna to pray together. I'd like you to pray this prayer with me. We're gonna pray it out loud. If you're watching online, I'd love for you to be included as well. This is a prayer from the heart. It's not a formula. It can be different every week. It's just, it's a heartfelt prayer to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. I believe the Holy Spirit is here right now. He wants to set you free. So let's pray this together. Dear God, I thank you for sending your son to make a way for there was no way. Jesus, come into my heart. I ask you to be my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, please let us know. Uh, to our Send, send uh, uh, something to our email. And if you're here, we've got some free books and a Bible we'd love to give you just out in the foyer. Just go see where the information desk is. God bless you if you've been watching online. We love you. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and Facebook. Spread the word. Share the message. And uh, God bless you. And we hope to see you next week. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, 
then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.